Amen. And what a glorious day that was that we celebrate today. That hymn that we sang the chorus of, Because He Lives, listen to the words because this changes everything. Tells the story that God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, to heal, and to forgive. He bled and died to buy mine and your pardon. An empty grave is there to prove that my Savior lives. How sweet to hold our newborn baby or feel the pride of joy he gives, but greater still, the calm assurance This child can face uncertain days because Christ lives. And then one day, I'll cross the river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory. And I'll know he reigns. Because he lives. Today I want us to take a few moments to look at the requisite of the resurrection. I want to pose a question to you this morning. Was the resurrection important? Did we have to have a resurrection? Jesus died on the cross. Did we have to have the resurrection? If you would take your Bibles this morning and open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and move your finger over to verse 50 as you're turning there because I want us to look at and I want you to understand that yes, the resurrection was important. Yes, we did have to have the resurrection for us to have the hope and the life that we live as believers today. If you would stand with me as we read God's word from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 beginning in verse 15. Now I say this brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would just help me to step aside, Lord, so that I don't get in the way. Father, I just pray that you would speak through me now with the power of Holy Spirit would speak through me and the hearts and ears that are tuned to Holy Spirit would hear. Father, your message for us this morning, this day of victory that we celebrate. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The requisite is a thing that is necessary for the achievement of a specific end. God knew that his creation had a tendency towards sin ever since Adam and Eve was here. And even the good person that we are is not enough to line up with what God says is perfection. You might know someone, you might be the one that that lives that good life, but there's something more to living a good life, being a, a good person, doing good deeds. There's something more to life. And God set it out from the very beginning. We spoke this morning out at the sunrise service uh, out of Isaiah where it was prophesied that Jesus would come and he would die and he would raise from the grave. But the crucifixion that took place paid that price for you and for me To be able to have a relationship with the Lord. But God said it doesn't end there. I'm sure some of you might have remember a guy who used to sing named Carmen. And in one of his songs he did a little skit and I'm sure he's got it pretty accurate. That when Jesus was crucified and he died he put him in the cross. Into that tomb. Do you know there was a party that day? Satan called all of his little minions, all of his devils, and he began to celebrate. We couldn't shut him up, but we sure can kill him. Look at him. He's in the grave. He's dead. Nothing more he can do. One of the biggest parties Satan's ever thrown. He sent one of his little... Demons to go and check and he comes back and he's trembling. And the whole earth quaked and they come back and Satan said, well, what's the matter? He, he, he's not there. It was empty. He is risen. Changed all of history. Let's look at this this morning. Why is it so important that we had to have the resurrection? The first thing is the resurrection allowed Jesus to ransom us. Jesus obtained our release from death. It calls it a mystery there in 1 Corinthians. But it tells us very plain that the perishable, what is the perishable? Our flesh. 
our flesh, the perishable, cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jesus paid the price for us to have that. When Jesus went in and he come out of that grave, he had defeated death. He gives us a right to live on forever. He ransomed us. He paid the price and he defeated that death. It tells us over there at verse 54, it says, death is swallowed up in victory. There's no more death for the believer. Jesus just swallowed it up when he come out of that grave. It says there's no more sting to death. It can't bite us. It can no longer hold us. Well, you say, didn't all that happen when Jesus died on the cross and he shed that blood? Yes, but why then do we need the resurrection? If Jesus would have died on that cross and they would have buried him in the tomb, he would not have been a savior. He would have been a martyr. Just like Paul And Peter and John, he's different and he changed it because he rose from the grave alive in victory. He went down into hell, he grabbed those keys and he come out of victory and it says, oh death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It says there is no longer that sting, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through through our Lord Jesus Christ. We got the victory of death because he had the victory of death. If he had stayed in, he wouldn't have had the victory of death. So it is very important that we have the resurrection to overcome that. And when we are in Christ and through Christ, we share this victory. We no longer have to worry what's going to happen. You know, if Jesus would have died, went in the tomb and never come out, we would worry today when we die, what's going to happen? But as believers, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen because Christ came out of that tomb and he ascended to heaven. And when he did, he said he was coming back for us. And we know that being in Christ, we become like him because he defeated death. We will defeat death while our flesh and our bones may go into the ground. Our spirit will live on forever. Looking forward to that day that this passage is talking about that that last trump will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we will go to spend all of eternity in him. Because he defeated death, we're looking forward to the day that this imperishable will be, this perishable will become imperishable. And this corruptible body that we have These aches and these pains, the older we get, the more we realize the corruptibility of our body. We've seen many loved ones go through pain and torture and dying through disease. But one day, because Christ defeated death, we will have an incorruptible body. Sin required the death. The resurrection ransomed us. But you know, not only did the resurrection ransom us, but also the resurrection allowed Jesus to restore us. 
Jesus must be alive to restore our fellowship. Let's turn over real quick to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, very familiar story. Let me read this to you. Let me set this up for you as you're turning there. Jesus had his intimate, close group, his 12. We know them as what? The disciples. They gave up their life, everything they had, their business, their job, to follow after Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus began to teach them for three years and to pour into them. And Jesus began to tell them things. And his closest, Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me. You remember Peter's, oh no, Lord. Mm -mm, mm -mm, Not me. I'm your closest one. said, I'll even go and die for you. Just a few hours later, they come into that garden where Jesus has been praying. They arrest him. And what's the first thing Peter does? He's out of there. I'm gone. But he did follow. He wanted to see what was going to happen. So he followed his Lord and Savior. And there he was. That charcoal fire. I I don't know, in my mind, I picture one of them metal 55-gallon barrels with some charcoal fire down there coming up so they could keep warm. It was cool. And a little girl, she looks over at Peter and says, wasn't you with him? Not me. One time. Wasn't a little bit later, said, you were in the garden. Oh, no, not me. Second time, another little girl says, he was there. Boy, Peter gets indignant. He becomes irate. That's not me. I don't even know the man. And I imagine as soon as that happened, the rooster crowed. Can you imagine Peter's countenance as soon as he heard that? Realize that I have just denied him three times just like he said Peter goes on doesn't know what to do crucifixion happens the only one we hear of in the story that was there was John and the women it always something the women seem to be the strongest when it comes to that but there they were Peter goes about, he's let's go fishing. That's what he did. He wanted to go fishing. Can you imagine in Peter's heart that he's denied his Lord and Savior? He's dead. There's nothing else he can do. Fellowship has been broken. Three years he was with him. But he's out fishing and Catching nothing. Seems to be when I go, I don't catch anything. Enjoy that time to just spend while and I'll go and just throw. But they're making their way back in and there's somebody up on the beach. They can kind of see. You hadn't caught anything, have you? Throw your net on the other side. You get such a big catch. I think it says there's 150 something fish in these nets and when Peter realized 
that it was his Lord and Savior. He wasted no time. He, he threw his overcoat on. He jumped in the water and swam to him. Let's listen to this. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Now imagine they've just had breakfast. Scripture tells us just before this that, you know, Jesus has a way of reminding us sometimes. When Peter got on the shore and Jesus is cooking the breakfast, he didn't grab some driftwood. He didn't grab some from wood around the area. No, Jesus had a coal fire cooking fish. Only two places in scripture we see that. Coal fire when he denied him. Coal fire at breakfast. And here's what Jesus says. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you, he said to him. Then Jesus gave him a command. says, tend my lambs. Then Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus gave him a second command, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Do you think to Peter there was a necessity for the resurrection? Because if Jesus would have stayed in that tomb, he would have never been able to come to Peter and to restore him. If Jesus never came out of that tomb, Peter would have felt all of his life that fellowship was broken. Jesus coming out resurrected, living Lord and Savior who we get to serve allowed Jesus to restore us too because if he would not have come out of the grave he would not have been able to ascend to heaven and if he would not have ascended to heaven the Holy Spirit would not have been sent to come and to live with each of us. How that changed things. We look in Old Testament and we see times that Holy Spirit would show up and Holy Spirit would rest on this person for a little while and then he would leave. And then he would come and do this. But when Jesus resurrected out of the grave, ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit comes to permanently indwell every believer. Yes, the resurrection was necessary. So that Jesus would not have just been a martyr. He was able to ransom us. He's able to restore us. And it allowed Jesus to reveal 
his glory. So much happened out of that resurrection. Little thunder there. There we go. Mark 16 verse 19. We read... So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to him, he was received up into the clouds and set down at the right hand of God. That special place, the right hand of God, the glory of Jesus shown. But not only sitting at the right hand of God, that tells us something. I like how uh, Brother Mark shared with me earlier, I heard it. You know, when Jesus was on the cross... You know what he said? It is finished. He did not say, I am finished. There was a task for Jesus. And his death on the cross was that task. That's the reason he was born. So the task at hand to pay the ultimate price for all sinners. It is is finished but he's not he resurrected out of that grave he's ascended and we see here that he sat down at the right hand of God when we sit down it usually symbolizes that the work is done I know some of y'all in here have owned businesses some of you have been employees if you come in and there was work to be done and the employee was sitting there you would have a problem And probably if you're the employee sitting in that chair and the boss comes in, you're going to jump up very quickly and look like you are at work, whether you are or not. But usually we sit down, it is finished, we mow the lawn. When the lawn's finished, we get that big glass of what some would call southern sweet tea. Put that little bit of lemon in it and we sit down and we kick back. And we're not going to talk about the beer that some of you grab. We're using southern sweet tea, okay? We're Baptists this morning. But when we sit down, symbolizing it is finished, his glory. Jesus finished his work, victory over death. Also, he entered into his glory in Luke 24, verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken... What is not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things, to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all scripture. Christ to suffer these things and then to enter into his glory. It also fulfilled scripture. Over in John chapter 2, we read that, The Jews then said to him, what sign do you show us of your authority for doing these things? They've got Jesus there. He's been healing people. He's doing things. They want a sign. What is your authority, Jesus? You claim to be the son of God. What authority do you have? Here's his authority. He said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. 
What's he talking about? Crucify me. He knew what was going to happen. Put me in the grave and three days later, I'm going to come out. If Jesus would have not have come out the tomb, he would not have fulfilled prophecy and he would not have had the authority to do what he was doing. He said, I'll show you my authority. I'm going to come out of the grave. That gives us hope. Isaiah and other parts of Old Testament talk about him coming back to life. He has to do it to fulfill Scripture, to show his glory, to show his authority. Church, we're the only ones of any religion that celebrate a risen Lord and Savior. There are many that have some they call Savior, many they might call Lord, many that might do this or that, or I do this in somebody's name, but every one of them are dead. We're the only ones that can brag and we can boast about our Lord being a living Lord. And I'm glad he is because he is living, he is active in my life every single day. I can testify to that. He's active in your life. If he'd have stayed in the grave, he'd have been no different than anybody else who came. Was the resurrection important? Highly important. The birth of Christ coming through a virgin, important. His death on the cross, important. His resurrection, important. You take any one of those three out, we might as well close this book and go home because we have no reason to be here. We have no hope. But because he has fulfilled every part of scripture, because he's a risen Lord and Savior sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, we have hope just as that song talks about. We can bring a baby into this world knowing that there's hope. We live with hope and we know that one day, not only did he ascend in that cloud to heaven, but he's coming back for each and every one of us. There's only one little caveat that I must put with that. He's coming back for each and every one of us who has chosen him as Lord and Savior. He's provided the way. He said it plain and clear. I'm the only way. Nothing else matters. And one day he's coming back for those who are his We can turn into Revelation and read those verses about wiping away every tear. It's going to be no more pain, no more death, hallelujah. No more creaking bones. We're all going to be perfect. He's coming back for us. The resurrection is what we celebrate today. The key point of our salvation May you bow your heads this morning. Give you a moment for Holy Spirit to speak. You know, this morning I might have a, a, a pretty good idea about each of you. Have you come to that point in your life where you realize that you were a sinner and that your only hope is to turn to Jesus who loved you enough to die on that cross 
and resurrected out of that grave. It's the only way. You must humble yourself. Only you and God know the answer. But I want to encourage you this morning, if, if you've never done that, if you're not sure, just a moment when Miss Madeline plays, just come down front and let me share with you. I know people often wonder why do we always want people to come down front. It's an act of confession. You know, the only thing that holds us back from that is wondering what someone else might think. Well, I've been in church all my life. What are they going to think? I can promise you right now that if they're a born-again believer, they're going to be rejoicing. They're not going to wonder how long you've been in church. Can you celebrate Easter this morning? What better day to do that than today? Maybe you're here and Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. You need to live in this life of resurrection. While you may know Jesus, you're oftentimes allowing yourself to stay in the grave. What better way today than just to confess to God, celebrate the resurrection. Father God, I thank you for your love. Father, I thank you that we can come today and celebrate the resurrection of your son. Father, as we know that morning, some over 2,000 years ago, that, Lord, that stone was rolled away, not so your son could get out, but so that all may see that the tomb was empty. And we can say those words that he is risen. Father, would you speak to our hearts now? Father, would you help us to respond to you?